The following message is from Life Source Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about Life Source is available at lifesource.org.au. Well, this morning I have a prophetic word for you. I was saying, Lord, I, I just don't want just, um, just uh, an ordinary message. I want a prophetic message. Not that any of the messages here are ordinary, but I just wanted to start this year with a prophetic word for you. How many of you are excited about that? Receive. So if you have your Bibles, would you open to Revelation chapter 3? And um, we, I want to read to you from verses 7 to 8. And, um, and believe to speak into your spirit something prophetic, something that will set you up for this year. Amen. So Revelation chapter 3 verse 7 to 8 says this, and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, right? How about this? And to the angel of the church in Sydney, right? These things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. See, I've set before you an open door. That's what I want for you to underline in your Bible. See, I have set before you an open door. And if you've got your uh, iPad or your iPhone, highlight it somehow. Uh, not with, obviously, a highlighter, but you've got ability to highlight. See, I have set before you an open door. And no one can shut it. For you have a little strength, have kept my word, and have not denied my name. And um, I want to speak to you this morning about seeing the open door. See, I, I really believe that one of the ways that God guides us is through shut doors and open doors. And what happens too often is that we sit there complaining when a door shuts rather than seeing it as God about to open a door for us. And every time that a door shuts for me, my first reaction is pang of pain. It's like, oh no, a door is shut, especially if you're not expecting it to be shut. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to live life a little bit more um, uh, discerning where, where I'm praying, Lord, show me the doors shutting before they actually shut. Because sometimes you feel like Maxwell Smart in the, uh, how many of you remember Maxwell Smart in the Get Smart um, uh, sitcoms where he walks into a shut door and it was like, it gets his nose bashed in the shut door. And sometimes, how many of you felt like that at times? Yeah, one of you. Okay. Uh, help me out here. You know, even humor me, even laugh when you don't feel like laughing. That would help me out. And, uh, and, and I know some of you are still sort of waking up. It's, uh, you know, it was a late night, but praise God you're here this morning. And, and, uh, and so I find that, that um, you know, I've stopped getting disappointed when doors shut. I've actually forced myself to stop getting disappointed and start to get excited. Why is that? Because when, a, when one door shuts, God has an open door for us. But the problem with us too often is that we don't see it. We just sit there uh, moaning over the shut door rather than seeing the open door. And so this morning, I, I want to focus on the word see. What? Words? Yeah, see. Because what, what is really important that we understand is this, that we have physical eyes but we also have spiritual eyes. And sometimes we're not doing life with our spiritual eyes open. 
And Paul actually made this prayer in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, that uh, the eyes of your heart might be opened, is what Paul was praying over the Ephesian church. And uh, a few years ago, one of our great songwriters wrote this great song, Open the Eyes of My Heart, Lord. How many of you remember that song? I know the musicians do. Open the Eyes of My Heart, Lord. And it's taken from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, where it's, it's signifying that we have spiritual eyes, but sometimes those spiritual eyes are shut. And we're doing life only with the physical eyes open. And one... Um, one of the great uh, illustrations in the Old Testament is the illustration with Elisha in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 17, where physically they're surrounded by an army about to destroy them. And, um, and, uh, and the servant of Elisha is totally stressed out because all he can see is a physical army about to destroy them. And Elisha prays, Lord, would you open his eyes that he might see what Elisha was seeing. And he could see, Elisha could see, but his servant couldn't see that surrounding them were the chariots of God, was the army of God ready to protect them. And so here's this guy panicking because all he could see was with his physical eyes. And Elisha says, Lord, open his eyes that he might see. And when his eyes were opened, he could see, wow, the armies of God are for us. And more are those that are for us than those who are against us. And I want you to say it this morning, more are those that are for us than those that are against us. After three, one, two, three. More are those that are for us than those that are against us. And this is something that you need to begin to see, see, see. So, so when, when I'm praying for you, Lord, open their spiritual eyes, I need you to begin to see what God sees. And what a wonderful thing it is to do life seeing what God sees. So, so one of the things that I, I need for you to see is the spirit realm where God is on your side. Turn to the person next to you and say, God is on your side. Now, if God is on your side, you've always got the majority. You've always got the winning side. You've always got the powerful side. If God is on your side, he is the creator of the universe. And if this is what the Bible says, if God be for you, who can be against you? But what happens is that with our physical eyes, we see the opponents, we see the disappointment, we see the bad stuff rather than opening our spiritual eyes and saying, hey, more of those that are for us than those that are against us. More of those on our side than those that are against us. And so we need to begin to open our eyes and see the blessing. I, you know, one of the things that I need to do every single day, and I force myself to do that, is to see what I have rather than what I don't have. And it's, 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 it's something that you've literally got to discipline yourself to do. Because our natural, physical self wants to look at what we don't have. And, um, you know, and can I just say that if, if there ever was a year of death, it was 2016. I mean, dear me, uh, Anne and I started the year, we went on holidays, and, and while we were on holidays, one of our church members died, and so we started the year with a funeral. And um, we've ended the year with a funeral, and there were funerals in between. And, and so when, when you look at 2016, my goodness, some, 
some terrible things happened. And we, and we can focus on what's gone rather than focusing on what we do have. And, and it's a natural focus, you know, to focus what we've lost. And uh, one of our loved ones has just come back. She's just lost a sister. And, uh, and, and so, you know, my, my first greeting this morning is from one of our loved ones in our church, giving her a hug, and the tears are still pouring down her face because she's just come back from losing her sister. And, uh, and, and yes, it's okay to grieve. And yes, it's important for us to grieve. But what we need to do when we wake up in the morning is to say, but who's around us? And there's plenty more people around us than what we've lost. And so we hold grief with one hand and then we hold gratitude with another. And if you can do that, then you balance yourself out rather than just embracing grief with both hands and stop being grateful for what we do have. And so, so sometimes we need to open our eyes to see what we have and there's blessing. And one of the disciplines in my life is that I stop every single day and I start being grateful for the blessing of my life. I start seeing what I have, not what I don't have. And I start thanking God. And it's one of my practices in prayer that every time I pray, I don't start my prayer with asking God for something that I don't have. I start my prayer in gratitude, thanking God for what I do have, thanking God for what he's given me. And it just changes my whole disposition to life because I see gratitude. I feel gratitude and it just changes everything. The other thing that you need to see is that there's an enemy. And again, you know, I I wanted you to focus on God first and what he's given you. But I also want you to focus this morning also that there's an enemy. First Peter chapter five, verse eight says, be sober, be vigilant. That's two really important words. Be sober, be vigilant, be alert, be on your guard because you have an adversary, the devil who walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And so you've got to be aware that the enemy is also at work to try to bring you down. And, uh, you know, that's something that you need to see. You need to open your spiritual eyes to see, well, what are some of the plans of the enemy? What are some of the devices of the enemy? What are some of his strategies? Well, let me give you a few. Are you ready for a few? Okay. One of the things that the enemy wants to do is to cut you off from spiritual and physical relationships. The enemy hates you having strong relationships. And so what happens is this, is that he wants to isolate you. So that's one of his strategies, isolation. And how many of you know that life is simpler when you don't have to deal with people? You know, how many of you know that life is simpler? Everything is simple if you don't have to deal with people. As soon as you've got people in your life, life becomes complicated. How many, of you, how many of you are married? How many of you understand that? Uh, how many of you understand that uh, there's uh, Michael and Pauline? Pauline, welcome back. Just straight from honeymoon. How awesome is that? And, uh, you know, this is one of the things that you both are going to discover is that it's complicated. It's com- having someone sharing your bed is complicated. My, my son Stephen, first first night that he discovered there was someone in his bed, nearly jumped out of the bed, sort of thinking, "There's somebody in my bed." And then, oh yeah, that's my wife. She's supposed to be here. It's like, okay, it's okay. <laughs> it's like life becomes complicated. But what you do is that you maneuver 
to find a way. You know, I, the, the, the way that I liken marriage, here it is. Are you ready for this? It's two porcupines in the snow. How many of you have seen porcupines in the snow? You haven't seen this? Well, what happens is that porcupines can literally freeze in the snow. And so what they're looking for is a companion to get warmth from. But how many of you know when you're a porcupine, it's awkward having a companion? Because the closer you get, the pricklier that companion. How many of you got a porcupine? No, don't put up your hand. Uh, Some of you are thinking he's getting too close to home here. So, so this is what happens with the porcupines. That they need the heat that each other generate to keep them alive in the snow. But the closer they get to each other, the more they prick each other. And so their initial reaction is to repel. But then they discover it's cold out there. We're going to freeze out here. And so this is what porcupines do. There's, there's, this, there's this coming together, going apart, coming together, going apart, until they actually find equilibrium where they are in such a position that they actually look like one ball, not two separate porcupines, because they found how to find each other's warmth without pricking each other. How many of you know that's a great illustration of the way that we need to be? And so, and so this is what you find, whether it be family, whether it be marriage, whether it be church, you're surrounded by porcupines. Turn to the person next to you and don't say anything. Just look at them. Don't, don't say a word, okay? We're surrounded by porcupines. But what the enemy wants to do is to isolate us so that, so that we become easy pickings for him. Rather than together, we become stronger together. How many of you know that? You become stronger in family. You become stronger in relationship. And so what the enemy wants to do is this. He wants to isolate you from spiritual and physical relationships. Be careful you don't fall for that trap this year. If anything, start the year by saying, you know what? I'm going to forgive. I'm going to love. I'm going to be grateful. I'm not going to look at the negative. I'm going to look at the positive because relationship is more beautiful than isolation. Here's another thing the enemy wants to do is this, is that he wants to cut off your blessing factor by tempting you into disobedience. See, one of the ca- see guys, you've got to understand this, that God wants to bless you. He wants to open the windows of heaven upon you, but there's conditions. And the condition to blessing is obedience. Write that down. The condition to blessing is obedience. It's like this. There's a pathway. It's the pathway obedience. And it rains on that pathway, showers of blessing. But it's a narrow pathway. It's the pathway of obedience. And while you're walking on that pathway obedience through all the twists and turns of life, but it's the pathway obedience, it rains on that pathway. And it rains showers of blessing. But as soon as you deviate from the pathway of obedience, it's desert. There is no rain. It's disobedience. There is no rain. There is no blessing there. And what the enemy wants you to do constantly is to deviate from the pathway of obedience into disobedience and you lose your blessing. Come on, just understand this. God's heart is to bless you. God's heart is to just pour out an abundance of blessing on you, but it's conditional and obedience. Here's another thing that the enemy wants to do. He wants to cut you off from joy. 
He wants to cut you off from uh, what I call the sweetness factor. Sweetness and joy is, is all of God's gifts to his people. But it's conditional on you forgiving. It's conditional on you not harboring resentment. Oh my goodness, if there's something that all of us have to fight, it's unforgiveness and resentment. I mean, how many of you read the story of Christmas where, where a little nine-year-old boy is, is at the Christmas lights and a drunk neighbor comes, allegedly, and runs him down and kills him just in the street? Nine-year-old boy. And, um, and I was reading in the paper how, how this nine-year-old boy was the son of a pastor. And so here, he's, here's your choices. Your next-door neighbor, drunk, runs over your nine-year-old son, kills him on Christmas Day. And uh, boy, oh boy, how many of you know that that's, that's, you're going to struggle with resentment. You're going to struggle with living next to the guy who threw his own drunkenness, allegedly, stupidity, allegedly, runs over your son, kills him. And, uh, and I just read just yesterday in the paper where this pastor was embracing the guy that killed his son and forgiving him. And I thought, oh my goodness, that's, that's huge. That's, that's huge because Anna and I were talking about it. How could you live next to someone? You know, every day of your life you see them and they just killed your son and here's the answer, forgive them. Forgive them. Forgive them. I mean, there's a big journey involved in that. And can I just say to you that forgiveness is not a once-off thing? How many of you know this? That if you've ever forgiven, you get tempted to take it back. And, uh, and, and I honestly believe that forgiveness is a daily thing. You've literally, with some people, you've got to forgive them at, on a daily basis. And if not a daily basis, on a regular basis. Why? Because every time... Something builds up on the inside of you, and it's like, are you going to take the resentment? I, hey, I, I've walked this journey. I know. Um, you know, I've walked this journey where, where, where people have betrayed me, and every now and then these things come up, and it's like, I'm going to throttle them. And it's the resentment. But, but I, I thought that I forgave them. Well, well, I did forgive them, but then it comes up again, and it's like, I've got to forgive them again. Well, how many times do I need to forgive them every time it comes up? Because here's your choice. Here's your choice. As soon as you stop forgiving them, you lose your joy. You lose your joy. And that's what the enemy wants you to do is to, is to live in bitterness and isolation. And you just lose your joy and you become just angry on the inside. And, and you know, and this is the sad thing. That when you become angry on the inside, it's the people closest to you that you take it out on. And it's the people that you love the most that cop your worst side. And how, how tragic is that? That this outside person has damaged your spirit, but the people inside your home are the ones that are copying it the worst. 
Come on, you know what you got to do? You got to forgive, let go of the resentment, and protect your joy because the enemy goes around like a roaring lion, just just prowling around. Who can I devour? Who can I stop them accomplishing the God purpose in their life? What can I do to damage them? And you've got to determine in 2017, I'm not going to give the enemy an opening. I'm going to open my spiritual eyes and see what's going on around me. Oh my goodness, come on. Uh, I'm, I'm preaching myself powerfully this morning. Here we go. Number, number four, uh, one of the other plans of the enemy is he wants to cut you off from your hope. Hope is an anchor to your soul. And what the enemy wants to do is just create disappointment in your life. Can anybody here say that in 2016, you had absolutely no disappointment in your life? Is there anyone here that can say that? Nothing, everything went perfect for you. There was no, I can't say that. My goodness, I had lots of disappointments in 2017, in 2016, none in 2017 yet. I mean, 2017 so far, praise God's been great. Okay, nobody's cut me off in traffic. There wasn't any traffic. Yeah, okay, uh, it's been awesome. Even got green lights coming to church. I mean, just great. Awesome. And you're here and you're not disappointing me. I, I, I'm, I'm really happy. I mean, if none of you turned up, it was just me and Helen and Anne and Ross and maybe I'd be disappointed. But you're here and I, I, I'm happy. But how many of you know that disappointments come up? And what a disappointment wants to do is to cut you off from your hope. You know, just the disappointment. Disappointment. You know, I still sit on disappointments. I still sit on disappointments. One of the things that happened last year is someone prophesied over Anne and I's life and prophesied a prophecy over something that we've been praying for for, for, for many years, and it didn't come to pass. And so how many of you know that? That's, that's a huge disappointment. When we're hanging on, we're hanging on, we're hanging on. August of last year, this was supposed to have happened. We're waiting, 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 and it didn't happen. And it was like, there's a huge disappointment. So do we stop praying or do we still hang on? You know what Anne and I decided to do? We're still hanging on. We're not going to let the disappointment rob our hope. And so this is your determination. Will you let disappointment rob your hope? Because that's exactly what the enemy wants to do. He wants you to focus on the physical rather than the spiritual. He wants you to do life only with your physical eyes open, not your spiritual eyes open. But we're hanging on to the promises of God, and that gives us hope, and it becomes an anchor to our soul. Here's another thing. The enemy wants to cut you off from eternity by just causing you to reject Jesus. Can I just say to you that as soon as you reject Jesus, you actually cut yourself off from the gift of eternal life, whereas God wants to give you the gift of eternal life. So don't reject Jesus. Okay, let me just uh, move on to the open door, okay? And this is the focus of the message today, the open door. C is the first thing, the open door. There's, there's open doors speak of so many things. Can I talk to you about four things that the open door speaks to us over? Speaks to us over new beginnings. Everybody say new beginnings. There's new beginnings coming your way. And I want to prophesy that into your life. Too many people are camped at the shut door. And that's the end of a chapter. Whereas God wants to cause you to walk into a new chapter of new beginnings. You've got to understand this, that every single one of you are on a journey. I'm on a journey. My journey started the day that I was born. 
And that journey continues on, and, and every year is the beginning of a new chapter. And so what I've got to do, I've got to finish my old chapters well. And one of the ways that I, I've chosen to finish my old chapters is to sit there and summarize, because every chapter is a learning experience in life that literally becomes a launching pad for the next chapter. See, when a story is being written, chapters are not... You know, add, you know, they're not sort of just there for the sake of there. They, they, they all build up to a story. They're, they're all building up one on top of the other, and it becomes the launching pad for the next chapter. And every chapter has, concludes well when there's a lesson learned from it, when there's a launching pad from a lesson, and it's a life lesson that's learned well. So 2016, for all of you, was... A learning chapter. But you've got to stop and summarize. What did I learn from 2016? What were some of the things? You know, if, you, if you've experienced a death in your family, well, one of the things that, that you learn is that life is short. Life is incredibly short. And you know what? Death could come unknowingly. I mean, we, we had one of our loved ones just changing a tire on his car and got hit by a car and died instantly there on... You know, that, that, that broke my heart. And, um, and, but not only did it break my heart, it broke especially the families, the, the children, the, the parents, the wife. It just broke so many hearts. But the thing is this, that what's, what, what's my takeaway from that? Life is short. Let's make sure that we maximize every single minute because we don't know when the end is coming. Nobody knows. I don't know. You don't know. So life is short. Let's make sure that we don't live life with regrets. Let's make sure that we keep short accounts, that we're not, we're not sort of, well, I, I wish I would have said that. I wish I had said I wish I had done that. Life is short. Just live life to the max, where you're maximizing every day. And because life is short, make sure that you're always embracing the people around you. Can I just say to your husbands, never leave your wife for a day without kissing her. Or hugging her, or just just that just that physical contact, because life is short. You don't know if that's the last time. You don't know, so make sure you do it well. Just make sure you do it well. You know, one of the things that I do. I don't know how long my life is, but I've planned for everything. I've planned for Anne's life to be looked after. So I've got insurance, I've covered everything, I've covered the mortgage. If anything happens to me, Anne's going to be well looked after. Matter of fact, even this church, if anything happens to me, this church gets half a million dollars just as a gift from the insurance company because I was your pastor. How awesome is that? Now, let me tell you, by keeping me alive, it's worth more than half a million dollars to you, okay? <laughs> just, just trying to work that one out. <laughs> but if anything happens to me, there's a half a million dollars coming to the church. And it's all part of just, just caring and looking after and understanding that none of us have a guarantee for an extension. You said, but you're a pastor. You're gonna, I, I got no idea. Jesus died at 33 years of age. Paul died at 60, 62. I got, I've got no guarantee on the length of my life. And so let's keep short accounts and make sure that that we just have to understand this, 
that every single day is a gift from God and maximize it. So, um, so every day is a new beginning. Every year is a new beginning. Finish the old chapters well. Start the new chapters well with a new beginning and just get excited about it. Get excited about what this new chapter is going to bring your way. Get excited about the opportunities that are coming your way. Just so many things, so many things that you can tick off that bucket list that is going to come on, that are going to come your way this year. Here's another thing that Open Doors talk about is new opportunities. New opportunities. This new chapter is going to be filled with new opportunities. And what you've got to be careful about is that you don't confess, I've missed the boat. I've missed my opportunity. Don't you speak those words because that's yesterday. Today is filled with new opportunities. There's new things about to happen. You know, when I read the Bible, I just see, I mean, the, Moses is a classic illustration of a guy that felt he'd missed his opportunities. I mean, you think about this. Moses was born a prince in Egypt, had, was educated, but at 40 years of age, thought my destiny to deliver God's people is here, made a big mistake, killed an Egyptian, and then became a person in exile for the next decades of his life. He's 40 years of age, is you know, cast out of Egypt, is an exile in the wilderness, 79 years of age, wakes up and he thinks, wow. How many years have I got left? Only a few. When you're 79, how many years do you think you've got left? You, sort of, you, th- you think, well, my days are numbered, you know? It's like, oh, Helen, I'm not speaking to you. I mean, <laughs> on the front row there. Huh? But if God's speaking prophetically, that's fine. I'm, I'm happy with that. He's 79 years of age and he's thinking, he's thinking basically, I've missed the boat. I've missed my opportunities. It's all over. You know, I'm just looking forward to my old age, my retirement, and just going with my forefathers. But, But God came knocking at his door at 80 years of age and said, hey, there's new opportunities coming your way. And he couldn't believe it. When they came his way, he could not believe it. But you know what? The fact is this, that we only know of Moses because of that last 40 years of his life. We don't know of him. We would never have known of Moses if it, if it were not for the last 40 years. It's like the last third of his life was the opportunities of God and God opened doors for him and he became the deliverer of Israel and, and he is made famous in Christianity, in Islam and in Judaism. In three of the world's major religions, Moses is a famous man, not because of the first two-thirds of his life, but the last third of his life that started when he was 80 years of age. Don't say you've missed the boat. There's too many great opportunities. I, I love the story of Colonel Sanders. How many of you love the story of Colonel Sanders? How many of you have ever eaten KFC, Kentucky Fried Chicken? How many of you... Come on, confess it. It's good for the soul, confession. And, uh, you know, if you watch the big bash, it's been, it's, it, isn't it KFC one of the big sponsors? But he's, he's Colonel Sanders. He's 62 years of age. He's retiring. He's got a $105 social security check and thinks, my life is over, but hang on, I'm going to look for new opportunities. And at 62 years of age, he used his $105 social security check to start this this, this new venture that's become Kentucky Fried Chicken, one of the greatest ventures of the world. He didn't look at the past and see his missed opportunities and, I've missed the boat. 
Come on, stop saying I've missed the boat. Stop saying it's all over. Stop saying I'm too old. Stop saying I've made too many mistakes. 2017, God's opening a new door. And with that new door is new opportunities. Amen. Can anybody say amen to that? Can I just say to you that not only will there be new opportunities, but there's also new ministry coming your way. When I say ministry, I'm talking about service. Because life that's lived for others is a big life. Life that's lived for self is a small life. And God wants you to, big, uh, to live a big life. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians 16 verse 9, 1 Corinthians 16 verse 9, he says, A great and effective door has opened to me. A great and effective door. I love that. A great and effective door has opened to me. And it was for ministry. It was for service. It was to help people. And can I see some of you are looking at yourself and saying, well, what can I do to help others? Your experience is what can help people. Good, bad, and indifferent. Your experience can help people. It's an amazing thing, you know. Some of you older people, you've got lots of experience under your belt. You know, you, you can be mentoring some of the younger ones. There's so many things that you can do if you start to see God's placed an open door for me. See, some of you are just looking at the closed door. Some of you are just looking at the past. Some of you are just looking at, at all the mistakes. But how many of you know that even your mistakes can be recycled by God and become a blessing to others? I, I, I just know that when I, ta- when I start speaking about my mistakes, people start leaning in. Oh, Pastor John's made mistakes. I want to listen to this one. And they lean in and it's like, you learn more from my mistakes than from my successes. And you know what? My successes are based on my mistakes. And it's just an amazing thing how God turns everything around so that an effective door of ministry and service opens up. One of the big mistakes that people make is that they see ministry here at the front on this platform. If, if, see, that's one of, that's, that's one of the, the big uh, deceptions of the enemy, that this is ministry and nothing else is ministry. What a load of rubbish that is. Do you know how many people it took to open the doors of this church today? What do we have, maybe 60 people, 70 people on, that are volunteering today to make this service work? For you, 60, 70 people. And you know what? I'm just one of 60 or 70 people that have put together this service for you this morning. I wouldn't be able to do it. Anne and I used to do it. I mean, when we were pioneering, it was just the two of us. And so, and so we'd, we'd open up and set up the chairs and clean the spew off the floor because the night before they had a, a, a big booze up at the Curry Curry Community Hall and we'd be cleaning trying to get the smell out of the place. Then, you know, by that time the perspiration was running down and we'd be out the front of the door shaking hands with people. Nice to have you. I mean, there was only three people coming, so it didn't take too much to shake hands with people. And then, you know, we run out the front and, uh, and, you know, and, I, and I'd be song leading on my guitar and Anne would be the other musician on the piano. And so with one foot, she was on the pedals. With the other foot, she was rocking the baby. On the, and so it was just, we were ambidextrous. We used everything that we could do. And, uh, and so even when we prayed for people, you know, I'd be praying for them and then running behind and catching them. And no, 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 that's, that's an exaggeration, okay? <laughs> now, how many of you thought that was, you say, no, nah, no, nah, John, you can, that's right. So, uh, 
And, and, then, and then we'd finish, pray the blessing, and I'd run out before the three people and shake hands on the way back. It was just, you know, that's, that's what it was like. In the, these days, 60, 70 people, and we all do it together because ministry is all about helping others. And this year, you want to become a big person? Start helping people. Just look for those opportunities to help people. Because God's going to open up an effective door for you to help people. The last and the worst thing for you is to become so self-centered. It's all about me. It's all about my problems. It's all about my pain. It's, you know, the best way to help yourself is just start helping others. And then it's amazing how those things just flit away. Here's the last point. God's got new beginnings, new opportunities, new ministry, and new blessings for you. 2017, there's new blessing coming your way, new blessing coming your way, new blessing. Blessing, as I said earlier on, is always connected to obedience. You know, obey God and receive the number one blessing. You know, you've got, you've got choices whether you want to obey God at a, a, you know, 100% level or a 90% level or a 70% level, but your blessing factor diminishes the lower you go. When you obey God at a number one blessing, you get at a number one level, you get the number one blessing. It's like the blessing of God is poured out. God wants to bless you this year. He wants to open the windows of heaven and pour out incredible blessing upon you. Just walk in obedience. Don't let the enemy deceive you. See what he's up to. Stop him short and begin to say, God, I'm going to let you free in my life to do whatever you want to do. Thanks for listening to this message from Life Source Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at lifesource.org.au to find out more about our church and to also access other free resources.